Okay, so this is uh, Revelation 2, and this is, is going to be the scripture today that we're going to meditate on and that we're going to respond to. So, Janelle, will you do the honor? To the angel, divine messenger of the church in Ephesus, write, These are the words of the one who holds the seven stars, which are the angels or messengers of the seven churches in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, the seven churches. I know your deeds and your toil and your patient endurance and that you cannot tolerate those who are evil and have tested and critically appraised those who call themselves apostles, special messengers, personally chosen representatives of Christ, and in fact are not and have found them to be liars and imposters. And I know that you who believe are enduring patiently and are bearing up for my name's sake and that you have not grown weary of being faithful to the truth. But I have this charge against you, that you have left your first love. You have lost the depth of love that you first had for me. So remember the heights from which you have fallen, and repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior. Seek God's will and do the works you did at first when you first knew me. Otherwise, I will visit you and remove your lampstand, the church, its impact, from its place unless you repent. Yet you have this to your credit, that you hate the works and corrupt teachings of the Nicolaitans that mislead and delude the people, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear and heed what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes the word through believing that Jesus is the Son of God, I will grant the privilege to eat the fruit from the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. Amen. Go Hawks. Thanks, Pastor. <laughs> Oh, my, my, my. We, uh, when we served in Cuba, we got to serve with this amazing man. His name's Marcos. And, uh, and so he and Jason were just talking about sports the whole time. And you guys probably figured out that I'm terribly lacking in that area. And so at the beginning of the new year, then, uh, then Marcos sent me a text and he said, Happy New Year. May the Lord bless you. And this, may this be the year that you finally receive sports into your heart. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Well, um, as we were praying and seeking God for what would be the theme for this year, what would be on his heart? What is he asking us as a tribe to be focusing on? What is he calling us to? Um, then he led us to Revelations 2. And he started with that phrase, first love. First love. And, and this, is a, this is a familiar passage, and, and uh, you've probably heard messages from this passage. And, um, and uh, so, so I know that each of us has probably heard this, and we're familiar with that idea of first love. And, and I just want to tell you that my desire this morning is um, that this would be a fresh word for us, that we could receive this in the spirit that it's being given by God, and so, um, and so allow it to form in us what God is desiring for us. We know that all scripture has been given for instruction, for correction, for reproof, for exhortation. It's, it's given to us so that we can grow and learn from it. And this, this scripture was given, of course, to the church of Ephesus. And I thought that it was a, an interesting and fun uh, sort of language of the spirit from God to us um, affirmation that we just taught through Ephesians that Christ Center was just walking and learning from the Ephesians, and then as we're going into this year, that what the Lord stirred up for us is this, um, this encouragement and reproof of the church of Ephesus and how they were doing and what they were doing. You know, Christ Center 
You're an amazing people. We're an amazing tribe. I'm honored to be a part of this, of this tribe. I'm, I'm incredibly humbled and, and honored and encouraged that I get to be a part of a family such as yourselves. And, you know, it's, it's uh, as we go through this scripture, which of course was first written to the church of Ephesus, but this is a prophetic word for us this year. And there are some neat things that, that align and that I would like to, um, that I would like to unpack for us that, that we see right away. First of all, um, he says, I know your deeds and your toil and your patient endurance that you cannot tolerate those who are evil and have tested and critically appraised those who call themselves apostles. And in line with us, one of the things that we've done, you know, we have a lot of very talented and, and very cool people that come in, but we're really honestly not very impressed with any person unless we first see that they love and then we see the fruit of their life. And you know, it's amazing because you notice that all the fruit of the spirit is all relational fruit. And so um, in this house, we, we have done and been very intentional to say, we wanna see the fruit of the Spirit in your life before we would entrust ourselves or, or others to you. Regardless, even if you can work miracles, what we wanna see is the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. We also wanna see miracles, but miracles alone are enough. Fame alone is not enough. And that's, that's been something that has been a part of this house from its inception is, is to look for the fruit of the Spirit and we can take that affirmation as Christ Center is that we do, we do seek to see that those who come and say, oh, I'm anointed, I'm appointed of God, and I'm this leader, and we, and we wait, and we, we discern, yes, but are you bearing the fruit of the Spirit of God? Are you here for yourself, or are you here truly for the Lord and for his people? Continues on, I know that you who believe are enduring patiently, and you're bearing up for my namesake, and you've not grown weary of being faithful to the truth. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's really an honor to be a part of Christ Center, and over the years, something that has happened is we have become a church with a very stellar reputation. Our community knows us as a tribe of people who loves our cities, and that's an amazing reputation to have, it, and, it, and it has come because all y'all go out and you serve your neighbors on Christ's behalf, and you do it beautifully so. And you know, I think of the, the scores of, of, of uh, foster families and the, and the hundred or so people that support the foster families. I think of, of, uh, of getting to, to cooperate through safe families and allowing people to come in in times of crisis and stay in your homes and support other people who are, are doing that. And, and for those that are, that are helping at Project Hope with the schools, or for those of you that have gone on outreach, and uh, for those of you that serve, it's, 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 it's everywhere, it's myriad. It's wonderful, and it's been a hard-fought reputation to have, that you're known as people, we are known as a people who love our city and serve. And may we continue to do just that. May we be encouraged. And just as the church of Ephesus was encouraged by God, I see your deeds, I see your hard, hard work, I see that you've continued on and that you're bearing up for my namesake, and that you haven't grown weary of being faithful to the truth. And so, so I also commend you on behalf of the Lord that this is true of us. This is true of us. But then he continues and he says, but I do have this charge against you, that you've left your first love. You've lost the depth of love that you first had for me. I love uh, the encouragement sandwich. If you guys, who's here is familiar with the encouragement sandwich, right? Whenever you have to come and bring some correction, 
to your kid or to your coworker or to your to someone what you know anyone you want to use the encouragement sandwich well this revelations 2 is the original encouragement sandwich from God himself he comes and says i've seen your good works and how you've carried on how you've been faithful he says but i do have one thing i want to talk to you about you've you've left your first love and i'm going to i'm going to come back to that for just a minute because i i'm going to i'm going to look at the uh the party says, here's the second part of the sandwich, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend some time on the middle part, but just to prove what I just said is true. So he says, great job. You haven't grown weary. You're faithful. You're well known. And then he says, you've lost your first love. And then he ends with, yet you have this to your credit. You hate the works and corrupt teachings of the Nicolaitans that mislead and delude the people, which I also hate. And um, how many of you guys have been learning under the teachings of the Nicolaitans? No? Okay. Well, the teachings of the Nicolaitans are, is this. It was the separation between essentially the priests and the people. And so what they taught was that there was this, there was this um, kind of a caste system. There was a hierarchy, and I would be the spiritual good one, me and God are handling business, and y'all would just be, you know, pay your tithes and do your thing. And, uh, you know, you'll get your reward or something. And so it was this idea of a hierarchy, and God says, I hate that. I hate that. that is, I did not come and purchase you all to be, a, to be a kingdom of priests so that then there would be a hierarchy. He says, you've done a good job not engaging in that. And you know what? We could receive that as a, as a tribe here. We actually, uh, you know, how often do we talk about, we are all in full-time ministry, that we as, the, as, as uh, pastors and teachers, et cetera, up here, that our job is to equip all of the saints, and then we all do the work of the ministry. Amen. And that's what we're engaged in. So you can receive that encouragement very directly from the Lord that you also hate the teaching of the Nicolaitans. You're not looking for the, the pastors and the pros to go out there and get it done. You understand that you are kings and priests and that we are all called to extend the kingdom of heaven in everything that we do. And I would say, well done, well done. Continue, continue in those great works. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear and heed what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes the world through believing that Jesus is the Son of God, I will grant the privilege to eat the fruit from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And what he's saying is, those of you, those of us, as we walk through and overcome, he's saying, I will let you live forever with me. Come on. We don't have to fear the second death at the day of judgment because in Christ we are overcoming, we are persevering, and we get to live forever with him when his kingdom comes in a new heaven and a new earth. That sounds pretty good. I'm pretty excited. I'm 43 here coming up. It's my birthday. And so the older I get, the more I get excited about a new body. You know what I mean? Because we get new bodies, and I am looking forward to that. I'm look, every time that I lose in any sort of competition to a younger man or woman, I go, boy, that new body, though, you won't just wait. Just wait a few more years. I'll be back. Plus, I'll get there sooner, and I'm going to ask the Lord to give you just a little bit slower body than mine, and he will listen to me. But I want to go back to this. He says, but I have this charge against you that you have left your first love. You've lost the depth of love that you first had for me. And then, and then he, he continues on. He says, so remember the heights from which you've fallen and repent. Now, repent does mean saying, I'm sorry. Repent means saying, I was wrong. And repent means turning from that thing that you were doing that didn't work, that was wrong, and turning the other direction 
and then doing what is, not, what is right. It's an act of will. It's turning from one thing and turning to another. And God is rebuking this church. And right now, if you can receive it, God is rebuking us. Now, how many of you know that if there's one person that you want to rebuke you, if it must happen, he's the one you want. He's so good. He's so good. And you think about, this is, this is the father whose kindness leads to repentance. This is the one who, while we were yet his enemies, Christ died for us. And how much more in his resurrection will we yet live? If you're going to get corrected, if you're going to get a spanking, you want it to be from your daddy. Amen? Spankings are not very popular in this day and age. Let's just say law that for a minute. <laughs> Hebrews 12, verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, that would be Jesus, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. Has anybody here been striving against sin this week and somebody punched you to the point where you bled? All right, so we're doing pretty good. We can receive that word. And you've forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. That word scourges, that's a spanking. You guys are so excited right now. You're like, this is super great. It's saying this, if you are accepted by the Lord, then he will give you a spanking now and then if you turn towards something that is going to hurt you. He will allow you to experience momentary pain of rebuke and correction from him so that he can save you and you can have eternal life. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? Are you ready? This one, prepare your heart. Here comes the sword. But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. And then he goes on to say, how many of you, your own parents, made sure to give you a spanking when you were younger so that you would learn not to run in traffic, that you would learn not to put your hand in the garbage disposal, so that you would learn not to stick the fork into the electric outlet, right? It was worth a little spanky on the booty, and you cried, but you learned not to kill yourself. And I'm not trying to be sensational, I'm speaking the truth in love, that in the same way it's important that we're able to respond as sons and daughters when our father says, I have a right to chasten you. And I do it because I love you. And this momentary thing is for your own good so that you'll turn from the direction that you're going, which is death, relationally, spiritually, and maybe finally, eternally, if you turn from me completely. And so choose it. Could you receive that? Now it's really important as we prepare to receive this word from the Lord that I talk to you for a moment about will. 
You see, in order for us to respond to the Lord, everything that we do in our relationship with him involves our will. It involves us making an act of will to respond to the Lord himself. You see, without an act of will, there is no such thing as love. Many of us have this understanding that the work of the Holy Spirit is almost like it's separate from us, like some sort of mystery, mysterious, sovereign part of God comes over and just sort of hovers over us and we're like, oh, that feels real good. And then all of a sudden we're like, now I am a righteous robot, I will serve you fully. And we, I mean, I'm being facetious, but we actually have this idea where we almost turn our brains off and have this, this thought that, that if God could just, could just make us be good, if he could just make us be like Jesus. Now you're partially right because without God's help, without the work of the Holy Spirit, it's impossible for you to be like Jesus. But without your will, it's impossible for the Holy Spirit to make you like Jesus. Without the Holy Spirit, it's impossible for you to become like Christ. It is the Spirit of God that's forming Christ in you. But without your will being involved, without you choosing to continue to engage with God, as long as it is called today, do not harden your heart, as long as you will to cooperate with the Spirit of God, then that can happen. But if you don't will to cooperate with the Spirit of God, it will not happen. Can you receive that? Now the reason why this is so vitally important for us in moments like this is because there's a tendency to essentially remove the active will from the relationship with the Lord and then to expect that Christ is gonna somehow be formed in us without us actually responding to him in action and in word. Many of us have had these really incredible encounters with the Lord and they were true and they were real and they were amazing and something shifted. And we think back on those moments and we remember that something changed. But what we often forget is that when we encountered the influence of the Holy Spirit, we acted upon it with our will and changed our actions and it produced new results, it produced new intimacy, it produced closer proximity to the Lord because we chose to respond. But when we look back, we simply remember the good fruits and we remember the good time and we forget that we did some good works in the midst of it. Can you receive that? And what does it say here in this scripture? He says, so remember the heights from which you've fallen and repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, your sinful behavior, and seek God's will, and what does it say? And do the works you did at first. How many of you know that God is not chastening us in this moment because he wants us to stop loving our cities, right? How many of you know he's not chastening us right now because he actually wants us to teach that there's some sort of spiritual hierarchy? Clearly that's not it. He wants us to continue in good works and in good words. But he is calling us to remember our first love. It reminds me of a story, because you know, we think about first love, so it reminds me of a story, like what is, what is that? What is first love? How do you fall out of your first love? And you guys, maybe you've heard this story, but there's a couple and they've been married about 20 years now and, and, um, and she's kind of, you know, she's kind of bummed out and, um, it's actually Mark and Kristen's story, I'll just say it. I'm just kidding, it's not. Um, but uh, she's kind of bummed out and, 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 uh, and her husband says, what's the matter? I see that you're down, you know, what's going on? And she says, I just, 
I just don't feel like you love me. And he's like, what? She goes, yeah, I don't feel like you love me. I mean, we've been together all this time and, you know, you, 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 you're a great partner and, you know, we keep a good home. You keep a, you know, you do your, you, you, you're, you're all there as, as far as bills and work and the kids and all that kind of stuff. But you just, you never, you never take the time to tell me that you love me. You never take the time to just be near me and tell me that you love me. And, and he says, well, baby, you know, I, I pursued you, I dated you, I, I bought you all those flowers, I told you all those beautiful things, and, and I told you I loved you when I married you, and I'll let you know if that changes. <laughs> How many of you know that that doesn't work, does it? That doesn't work in a marriage. And we can see that so clearly in that relationship, but for many of us, some years back, we prayed a prayer and we started following the Lord and we were so glad and amazed to be saved and to know that we had a purpose and we were part of his family and that, that we were actually the bride of Christ and, and that he had eternal life laid out for us and an adventure and, and things for us to accomplish. But somewhere along the line, we said, Lord, I'll serve you always and I love you so, so much and I'll let you know if that changes. Somewhere along the line, even the things that God has called us to do can actually become planted in the wrong part of our heart, even the very things he asked, and they can become our first love instead of him. We can actually be busy doing the very thing he asked, but abandon himself. Karen and I were talking just the other day and, and she made the comment, she said, it's almost like we can spend all of this time and all this effort, we were assessing you know, the, our last 13 years together serving here at Christ Center and she said, it, it's, it's, it's possible that we can actually like, spend all this time to align like, how we serve and how we work together as a team and how we build and we're building all of these structures and principles and methods and culture of the kingdom and then realize, where's the king? And by the grace of God, he's calling us back to himself. It's not that God doesn't want us to do the right things in our cities. He wants us to do that. It's not that he doesn't want us to continue to teach good doctrine and teaching and share the good news with all. He wants us to do that. Of course he wants us to do that. but he wants us to love him with that first love. That, it's, that we're doing those things with him. But the truth is on the days where we don't have anything to do, we're happy just to be with him. The failure sometimes of preaching and teaching is to try to do something to change what's going on in you. It's, it's to try to like through information get you to do something else. Now it takes information. I've spoken these words to you. I've, I've, I've conveyed these scriptures even under the unction of the Holy Spirit to you and I know the Spirit of God in you is working right now. But we're also dependent upon then to activate our will as individuals in order to respond to this word so that it's not just this sort of concept or this idea of like, oh, remember that, remember that word <laughs> that one time? It, 
we have to now respond with our will to the Holy Spirit. And, and we are fully dependent, by the way, even as we're bringing this word, there's a, couple of, there's a couple of things and we're gonna take some time to respond here in just one moment. We're gonna actually take a few moments and we're gonna go vertical and let the Spirit of God speak to us and us to him. But we are actually dependent upon the Holy Spirit right now to even receive this word in the spirit that he's giving it. He's saying, listen, there are things that have become overly important in your life. Some of them are the things that you run to and they're, they're, they're immoral. They're the things you go to for comfort instead of me and you actually love them more than me. When you're in pain, you run to those. I heard a really great example of what idolatry is. Idols are what you run to when you need comfort. And if it's anything other than God, it's an idol. Most of them are morally neutral. Maybe it's cooking. Some of us like to serve, actually. We like run from, we like go work for God to run from God. All right, so it's just, it's just anything that you put in the place of your first love. Can you receive that? So that's what I mean by that. So, so what, what, what happens is we have to say, Holy Spirit, can you show me those places that I run to instead of you? I used to run straight to you. I remember when Karen and I were first dating. I remember... She, she chose me, like she chose me. I don't know what she was thinking. I'm just glad she was thinking it. And, and I was so excited to respond to the fact that I knew that she loved me. And I remember watching a movie and I remember as we're watching that movie, the excruciating pain of my leg having been asleep for like an hour and 12 minutes. And I refused to move because I wanted to be near her. Like, it was worth it. Now we're married and now we just say like, hey, can, can you move your leg over there a little bit? Like, let's just readjust. But when you're dating, you just, you just deal with it. You're just like, I don't care. We're just close together. It's that leg. I don't even need that leg. That leg is in rebellion against love. Suck it up, leg. But you are willing to pay whatever price just to be near the one who has, who has said, I love you. And you're responding to that love and you will do anything. You'll pay any price to be there. And that's our first love. That's what God is saying. Look at the height from which you've fallen. You used to come and serve me and do these things that I was up to because you wanted to be with me. Now you just do them for their own sake and you've forgotten me. Or maybe you're doing them for your own sake and you've forgotten me. You, you, I'm not, it's not as specific. It's specific to each person. May the Spirit of God show you. But can you receive this? Do you understand this? But we need the Spirit of God in order, one, to be willing to even look at this and see it for what it is rather than what we hope it is. So we, so, we, so we respond with an act of will to say, oh my God, that you, that you, oh God, would enable me now. I choose God to receive this word. I will to receive this word. Now I ask that you would give me greater revelation that I can, okay? And then he begins to show it. Oh my God, I see what you're showing me. I will to see more. I will to see what you see. And he shows you and says, now here I show you this. Here is where something has fallen in front of me. Something has fallen in front of your love for me. And then we say, God, I respond to that. I will that you would grant me repentance. 
not just acknowledgement, but that, I, that you would show me, that you would help me, that I would repent from this, to turn from that and to turn to you. But I am not so foolish as to believe that I could do it alone. I need you to form Christ in me in this way. I choose to ask you, Holy Spirit, to form Christ in me. Do you see how every section of this is a collaboration, a cooperation, a relationship with the Spirit of God who's always showing us the Father and is always forming Christ in us? But unless you and I respond and react and choose, God will go no further because he will never violate your will. Do you understand this? You can't do it without him, and he can't do it without you. And he won't do it without you. Do you guys feel like you have enough to be able to respond to what we're doing here? I say this because this, is, this practical step is probably where most of us get shipwrecked. I don't know most of us, but many of us get shipwrecked because we misunderstand the relational reality of actions and will in regard to relationship with the Lord. So now as we receive this, okay, we're remembering the heights from which we've fallen, and now we're wanting to repent. Now we're wanting to say, God, what has fallen in front of my first love? Holy Spirit, I need you to show me. What is it? What happened? What am I running to when I need comfort? What do I most crave that is not your very self? And let's let the Spirit of God begin to bring those things to you. And remember this, he's saying not, go figure it out, you chucklehead, I'm so upset with you and I'll just let you know after, go go in your room and be alone. You notice he doesn't tell us go in our room and be alone. That's the cool thing about God, he's very hands-on. He pulls you over, he gives you the spanking, and then he hugs you and goes, remember, it's with me. You're never alone. The spanking thing really throws you, doesn't it? Are we ready to do this? We're going to take some time now. We're just going to put on a little music to provide some privacy for you so your neighbor's breathing won't be a distraction. We're going to ask the Spirit of God to begin to come and show us what has fallen in front of my first love. As he begins to bring it, you respond with your will. God, and then let him walk you through that process. We're going to take about uh, five minutes and we're just going to, Make room for the Lord. Feel free to write things down if you want to, um, but let's just, let's just go ahead and begin. Lord God Almighty, by your Holy Spirit, speak to us and show us what has fallen in front of my first love. I invited uh, first service. Well, let me say this. One of the mistakes that many of us make in our relationship with the Lord is to assume that if it's not instantaneous, then it's not possible. That if it's not instantaneous, then it's probably not gonna happen. And the truth is, is that we serve a God who intends to live with us forever. He's a God who takes every bit of time that it takes to do things well and he's forming Christ in you. And so it does mean that some of these things sometimes will be a little longer than we would want. We want to kind of flip a switch and just be like, oh, now I'm good. But it could be that for the next few weeks, the Lord is actually going to do some layers here in your heart 
In fact, I would say it's most likely that, that you shouldn't leave this day suddenly like, oh, well, that was a good word, and now we're there in the same way that any relationship that you've built that's of any value has happened over time. Trust has been built. Conversations have been had. And this is the same with the Lord. So the Spirit of God is bringing you into this relationship. And so expect the Lord to continue this work. And each time, make that act of will. So the first point is allow this process and accept the time that it takes. The second point is this, is that for most of us as believers here in Oregon, where we live, which happens to be in the West, something that's very common to us is an extraordinarily busy life. We're very, very busy, but not necessarily with the things that matter the most. Most of us have a Martha, a Martha life as opposed to a Mary life. And of course, you know what God said. Mary has chosen the better thing, and in fact, the one thing that is necessary, and it will not be taken from her. And it was that she took the time to sit at Jesus' feet. I would encourage you that in this time as you're, as you're allowing the Spirit of God to direct you today and in the weeks to come and hopefully always, let this be part of your question. God, what times, multiple, of the day would you like me to set aside to be with you? What times of the day would you like me to set aside to be with you? And let him work that out with you. It may only be able to be five minutes at lunch, but you probably have more time in the morning or the evening. I leave that with you and the Lord. But the act of will, the act of a first love, is first love always makes time to be with the person that they love. I have noticed that when I kiss Karen on the cheek and go into the kitchen and get food and continue to just have her follow me around the house, she considers that much less loving than when I used to sit beside her until my leg fell asleep. Does that make sense? There's an act of will of being purposeful on where you will begin to set aside time just to be with them. And then the last thing is this. I want to encourage you. I encouraged uh, first service. I felt like the Lord said, offer for those that would like to seek me and, and don't yet have a definitive answer from me yet to humble themselves through fasting this week to hear me on this matter. And the fast that I felt that the Lord suggested was from media, that you would set aside all of your entertainment devices, all those other loves, and say, Lord, I'm humbling myself from those things because I'd like to hear from you this week. So I offer that to you as an avenue to humble yourself and to make room to be with the one that you love, that he could speak to you about the things that have fallen in front of him. May the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you and give you shalom. I'm excited about what we get to do together this year.